Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. Since the early days of his presidency in 2021, Joe Biden has been warning of an inflection point in geopolitics, born of autocracies challenging democracies to usher in a new dystopian world order. As it happens, this was the focus of his opening address on Wednesday at his virtual Summit for Democracy 2023, which featured 120 world leaders. In warning about this inflection point, Biden is rather like Winston Churchill, who amidst the smoldering embers of World War II in 1946, was already warning about an iron curtain descending across Europe, born of the Soviet Union's intent to divide the world into East and West spheres of influence. The glaring difference, of course, is that Churchill was speaking to Western countries that were as united in their fear of the Soviet Union as they were in their determination to limit its influence. Whereas Biden is speaking to democracies that have as much to fear from autocrats at home as from autocracies abroad. Remarkably, nowhere is this menace of homegrown autocrats posing a greater danger than in Biden's own democracy. Except that America has been divided between democratic and autocratic values since its founding. Indeed, this division moved Abraham Lincoln to famously warn what portends when a house is divided against itself. Sure enough, less than three years later, America descended into civil war. So imagine what portends, given that eminent scholars are warning that America is a house divided today, even more than it was in the years before that civil war. After all, the only issue animating the division back then was whether the country could endure permanently half-slave and half-free. By contrast, the issues animating the division today include gun violence, abortion, immigration, voting rights, and even the democratic principle that no one is above the law. Even worse, influential Republicans like Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and former President Donald J. Trump are zealously calling for America to be divided between red and blue states and even for civil war, if that's what it takes to get their way, respectively. I have been in the vanguard of those warning about political divisions reaching a tipping point where another civil war becomes unavoidable. I refer you in this regard to Republicans and Democrats began governing like Sunnis and Shias. Now Washington looks like Baghdad. On January 17, 2021. Jan 6, 
the new lost cause millions seem willing to die for. On January 6, 2022. And historians are raising alarms about another civil war. <laughs> what took them so long? On August 15, 2022. But, apropos of inflection point, here is how I presage this looming day of reckoning in Civil War II looms larger as Texas suppresses voting rights and bans abortions on September 2, 2021. What do these voter-suppressing magapawns who are passing laws to rig elections in red states across America think is going to happen? when they attempt to present their trumped-up electors? Do they think electors from blue states are just going to roll out the red carpet for their twice-impeached, coup-plotting, gilded tower grifter to return as president? A civil war too. Red states versus blue states. And trust me, just as Trump himself dodged the fight on Jan 6, no Trump will be among the idiots fighting this war for his cause either. Oh, and Biden, not Trump, will be commander-in-chief. So, in the immortal words of Inigo Montoya, prepare to die, suckers. <laughs> Of course, it would be troubling enough if America were the only country in the alliance of democracies becoming dangerously divided against itself. <laughs> but France, Pakistan, Israel, Brazil and India are becoming so too. And it hardly matters that the issue animating revolutionary fervor in France, namely pension reform, is different from the one animating civil war fervor in the other countries, namely autocratic machinations by one political leader to reclaim or hold on to power, to escape justice for his own high crimes and misdemeanors. Because the effect in all cases is rule of law democracies looking even more unstable today than coup-plagued autocracies used to. The irony, of course, is that the proxy battle which the Alliance of Democracies and Axis of Autocracies are waging in Ukraine indicates that democracies are standing together stronger than ever. It's just that, as nations divided onto themselves, far too many of these same democracies seem to be falling apart. And mind you, for their part, autocracies are floundering just to find common cause. No doubt this is because the resentment of America that unites them is surpassed by the distrust of each other that divides them. Yet Russia can derive some consolation 
From watching America and other democracies teeter on the brink of unprecedented self-destruction, with ongoing protests in Israel and France that look like the June Rebellion Victor Hugo depicts in Les Miserables, and looming clashes in Brazil and America that seem bound to make the insurrections of Jan 8 and Jan 6, respectively, look like mere dress rehearsals. In fact, given the unprecedented death, humiliation and isolation Russia is suffering, trying to expand its autocratic sphere of influence in Ukraine, this is a consolation devoutly to be wished. But I cannot overstate that all countries in the Alliance of Democracies consider it an existential imperative to stop Russia from reclaiming that Soviet sphere of influence. And they are just as anxious to stop China, which is busy expanding its sphere of influence, albeit by economic rather than military means. Indeed, that China is standing with Russia as it wages genocidal war in Ukraine, throws into stark relief foreboding parallels with the way Japan stood with Germany as it waged genocidal war in Poland, which led to World War II. Not to mention the galvanizing effect Russian President Vladimir Putin is having in democratic countries by continually threatening nuclear war. In fact, this was the case just last week, when he threatened to station tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus, because even my cynical reaction had me thinking, well, fine, let Cold War to begin in earnest then. And, to paraphrase George W. Bush's ill-timed and ill-fated declaration, you're either with America and its alliance of democracies, or with Russia and its axis of autocracies. But I'd be remiss not to comment on the role China is playing in this Russia-led axis. And, conveniently enough, the state visit Chinese President Xi Jinping made to Russia ten days ago provided clarifying relief in this regard, because it reinforced my point about members of this axis floundering to find common cause. After all, Putin clearly wanted Xi's visit to show how he's getting China to play for Russia, the axis role Japan played for Germany during World War II. But what it showed is that Xi is getting Russia to become a vassal state of China. For example, Putin wanted Xi to sign agreements for China to supply Russia the weapons it needs to continue waging his war in Ukraine. Instead, Xi got him to sign agreements for China to exploit Russia and its natural resources, the way China is exploiting Africa and its natural resources. As simply put, notwithstanding Putin's revanchist plan to reconstitute the old Soviet Union, Xi is clearly acting pursuant to his visionary plan 
to have China replace the United States as the leader of a new world order. But it behooves him to beware, because Chinese mercantilists are already finding Africans increasingly inhospitable to and restive about their presence, and they are bound to find rations even more so. I hope you appreciate why Churchill's famous quote about democracy being the best form of government informs this episode, because there is no denying the internal strife besetting many countries that make up the America-led alliance of democracies. But nobody can deny that those countries are faring much better than the countries that make up the Russia-led axis of autocracies. Granted, Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu has made a mockery of the rule of law, which defines democracies, because he has shown that criminal indictments and even criminal trials do not prevent a person from being elected leader of a democratic country. <laughs> sure enough, in a bit of uncanny timing, news broke just before I began recording this episode that a New York grand jury has finally indicted Donald Trump. And because he'll be banking now on that precedent Bibi set. And never mind that Bibi only faced one indictment, whereas this is only the first of many everyone expects Trump to face in due course. For more on those pending indictments, I refer you to New York AG Letitia James sues Donald Trump, hitting him where it really hurts, on September 22, 2022. But today, March 30, 2023, is a date that will live in infamy. A date that saw Donald J. Trump become the first President of the United States, sitting or former, to be criminally indicted. But nobody who knows anything about him has any reason to believe Trump cares one bit about being the first. After all, he's also the first to be impeached twice and the first to mastermind a conspiracy to overthrow his duly elected successor. Of course, Trump will frame this indictment the way he has framed all attempts to hold him to account, namely as a witch hunt by his political enemies to persecute him. <laughs> but we should see it as a vindication of the bedrock principle of Jeffersonian democracy, namely that no one is above the law which gives me cause to end this episode by quoting Joe Biden himself, who always says, it's never been a good bet to bet against America. That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor, 
I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.